Hi, I'm Nick Dawson, the Editor-in-Chief of TalkHouse Film, and you're listening to the TalkHouse Film Podcast. This is the second part of the fascinating conversation between Ryan Johnson and Terry Gilliam. Over the next 20-odd minutes, you'll hear them touch on such varied subjects as piracy, magic, directing operas, and the horror of nature, plus Johnson's upcoming Star Wars Episode 8 and Gilliam's long-gestating projects, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote and The Defective Detective. So, let's get started. I was actually going to ask you about the Holy Family, um, about the short thing. Oh, did. that's a nice one. Thank you. Yeah. How did that – because I, uh, I actually just got a chance to watch it a few days ago. I just rented it off your site, and it's really um, – it's beautiful, and it also – I don't know. In a, I don't know if I'm just connecting it up to – I don't know if this is annoying, me connecting it to other films, but the same way the Zero Theorem connected up with me with Brazil, mm. this – connected up with time bandits um yeah, just yeah. just in the way that it is this genuinely horrifying child's view of the world and and you're a little person in this world this uncanny space that you don't know the rules for um that feels really dangerous but how that how that was that what was that from? it's right it's a, it's a, a pasta company it's based in maples and the family's huh. on thing and they call god awful and they make literally the best pasta in Italy, and it's sold everywhere. But rather than putting money into television ads, yeah. and they love because they love movies, and so every year they give a director a little bit of money. I mean, the budgets are very small um, to to make a film, like a fifteen minute film that they will then put into the cinemas as a short before the feature. Mm. And uh, and I was asked to do one, and uh, and I've always been you know enamored and, and, and mystified by Naples in particular this street called San Gregorio Armeno where they sell all the stuff that you see in the film uh, basically they sell these nativity scenes um, at mm-hmm. Christmas time and there's also the whole history of uh, Pulcinella in Naples is, is, is very dark grotesque characters that Mm. You, again, they're, they're carved in all these, these these various little tableaus that are done, yeah. and 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 that's where it began. For, began. It was just simply that, and I just wanted to do a story about San Gregorio. And so, okay, and then I found out that, uh, once I sort of started down this road, the yeah. idea that you know you if you have what if you steal a little pulcinella doll, that's okay as long as you give it away, but to keep it is wrong. Mm. Uh, so, which is I love the idea that. Thievery is there's nothing wrong with it as long as you pass it on to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> as as a as a director with his movies in the digital space, I'd be careful about espousing that belief. <laughs> it's, it's it's done. I've given up on that. <laughs> I, in fact, years ago when uh, piracy was going on like mad, I kept going around like, yeah, go right ahead because I haven't seen a penny from the studios in any, any of these films. <laughs> I'm glad somebody's making money off it. <laughs> 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 and, uh, <laughs> and and so we we just literally I had like a couple of weeks prep on it and we yeah. shot it in a week and I just and it was so easy I wrote it in twenty minutes it was just yeah. easy yeah. and and then I had a joy just working in Naples and finding you know places to make all this stuff happening and that no it's, it's, I'm really pleased with it and and the great thing is well it it, it opened. Um, uh, it was a short film before Terry Malick's Tree of Life, mm-hmm. but at least the audience had a few laughs that evening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gorgeous, man. So it's, uh, but it was, <laughs> it was great to do a short film. 
Did, yeah. have you, done, you must have done short films at some point. Well, I grew up doing them, but I've never yeah. done that where I've, you know, yeah. like as since I've been uh, working, I've never done them that it wasn't just me goofing off with friends, you know, where it's actually uh, doing it kind of for real, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'll bet that it, uh, but you do commercials and stuff too, right? The, well, once every 10 years, I'll do one when I get really depressed knowing I'll never be able to get the money to make a film ever again. <laughs> oh, okay, so what are you, what uh, what are you working on now? What's, what it was the next oh, yeah. movie I get to, I get to obsess over? No, no, it's just, it's I'm back in the default position of, back into get it. Quixote going again. <laughs> right, 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 right. Is we'll that what you're... We'll see what happens. We'll see what okay. happens. I'm, we're at early, early stages of the... I, I got the two main characters sorted out and then discovered that this film that wasn't supposed to be going is suddenly going, and now it's, is this going to work out? When? Can we, I don't know. I, at every point, it's, it's, it's basically a doomed project, and maybe that's why I keep going back to it. It's some sort of 19th century romantic idea. Of <laughs> tilting at windmills. and. <laughs> no, it's more, actually, it's probably more Greek. It's Sisyphus. It's the Star Wars. When do you start shooting? Do you have a plan yet? Is that yeah? Scheduled? Oh, there's a oh, there's a plan. There's a plan. <laughs> they have release dates for the next, you know, however many movies. Yeah, it's uh, we start shooting. Um, yeah, it's not for a while. It's not for like another year or so. Um, yeah. but I need to write the script. I'm just starting yeah. right now writing. So I have a feeling, get the script, yeah. <laughs> feeling I'm going to need all that time probably. Um, there's will you a, be coming to London to shoot or not? Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll be shooting at Pinewood. Um, well, yeah. You'll have to give us a shout. Oh, that would be lovely, man. Yeah, I yeah. actually, I, I don't know if, um, so I actually, we, we had dinner, you and I had dinner years ago at the Sitges Film Festival. Um, oh, we had dinner and then we went to see the Holy Mountain. We like walked across town and saw oh, a midnight show. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I, I actually, I feel that. like, I feel like I have like a, there, there is an interaction we had during dinner that is one of the social interactions I regret most in my life. I feel like this is going to turn into a confessional. So I feel like I have to, <laughs> I have to apologize to your son. So I don't know if you remember, a magician came up to the table while we were having right. dinner and started performing some tricks and he did this rope trick um and it was awesome and we all were really delighted by it and uh and then you you looked at me and you said you know how he did that didn't you and i said well yeah i know how he did and he goes and you said how did he do it and i wanted to look cool in front of you and so i told you how he did it and i wish that is one of the things i think about this a lot if I had a time machine, I would go back to that moment and not tell you how he did the trick. I still feel yeah. really shitty that I told you that because instantly, like, you could see the joy die in your eyes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I've carried that moment with me, and now I feel like it's lifted off my shoulders getting to confess it to you. <laughs> so I apologize. So that's joy. why I've been so miserable for so many years. I figured. I, I thought I'd joy. Aren't you glad we had this time? <laughs> yes, I know. I, I know who to go hunting for now, who must die as a sacrifice. <laughs> Ryan Johnson must die. Oh, God. Oh, I forgot all about that. But isn't yeah. it magic, magic, magic is such one of the great things. 
Yeah. And I have yeah. quite, because I've got a friend, well, Ricky J. I yeah, know I well. Ricky really well, actually, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, I've known him for years. Well, he's one of the greats. And every time I come out to L.A., somebody usually organizes a dinner. And yeah. I apparently I'm the only one at the table that's allowed to ask him to do a trick with us. <laughs> and every time he does it, and even ones I know roughly how they're done, it's yeah. just astonishing, his skill. It's so brilliant. It's like, and the oh. way that he contextualizes it, there's something really, I mean, what's really magical is his, um, you know, his attitude towards the form of it. And it, and yeah. it's a strange thing also because the, exactly that thing with telling the rope trick, like Ricky is, would, would be horrified if he heard that I did that. His respect <laughs> for what actually makes magic magical, the unknown, which increasingly today there's less and less of that unknown yeah. stuff in the world you know again coming back to the zero theorem there's there's yeah. everyone wants to line up all the boxes and figure it all out and there's this increasing sense that we can now and i don't know if that's a good thing but this is the problem i don't want the mystery solved i want yeah. life to maintain mystery this is why the greeks were always pretty good with you know it, it, it was the mystery it wasn't that everything was explained there wasn't a, you know, one little god that took charge of it all it was the mystery yeah. it is if and i i think people have really lost the, the sense of the of wonder and and because mm -hmm. we explained we constantly explain we describe explain put things in boxes put uh, labels on them Terry, you're breaking I, up a little i've got a line bit. in quixote where yeah. um um, one character that says, uh, and uh, we can, oh, yeah, that's right. He says, We can go to the police, please, and explain what happened. And Kerry says, What? You think explaining explains things? <laughs> I love that. There's, there's <laughs> that sums it up for me. <laughs> on the flip side, though, I mean, I don't know. There is also something romantic about if that's the overall tide of culture now, is losing the wonder, is, you know. Does it make you feel a little more special that you still value that and you're still looking on like it does it make lifting up the rock and and finding this secret thing underneath and not solving it feel even a little more special because the world that you're doing that in opposition to is so much more strong and prominent i guess or is that yeah, just a, so. a nice spin on it i don't know <laughs> no i think it's, it's it is this problem of trying to retain your child no, I don't know, childness, like childlikeness or childness. I don't know. Yeah. It's that because it's, and that's the hard thing about getting older. Things become more and more repetitive, more and more predictable. The same thing keeps happening, I and mean, it's like ah, and it, and it does drive me crazy because it. I want to be the kid that you know somebody looks out there, and you you gasp. There's something yeah. wonderful. I mean, right now, I mean, outside by. You know, my computer screen sits between two windows, and outside is these great silver birches, pendulous silver birches, that swaying. Mm -hmm. within. And I spend more time just staring at them. <laughs> and I'm not trying to explain them, trying to think about it. just watching you know, the whole business of nature functioning. Uh, yeah. And, it, and it, it's that. I still think maybe that's the thing, is to always to, to fear technology and all of the layers that are put between us and the natural world because the natural world is infinitely amazing and magical. Mm. <laughs> and what, do you do, what do I, you do to get your to get your head back in the, I mean I don't know, how do you how do you recharge your battery? Do you go do you 
you travel a lot? You go to well, no, I've got, I've got a house in Italy up on a hill with a okay. uh, little bit of a castle ruin, and it's uh, and there's no television, no telephone, no games, nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's a, and you force yourself back into the maw of nature and realize, mm. God, it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> get back, <laughs> get back in the car close yeah. the window <laughs> the, the comedian the comedian who said if nature is so great where are all the bugs trying to get into my house exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, was, I was describing something other. i didn't go to this convention dragon con in atlanta this last weekend and i was talking about you know, I, I got onto the you know, my, my my house in italy and how wonderful it was i said but if bugs made real if bugs could scream the evening as the sun's setting and the swallows are sweeping here there and there and the bats are beginning to come out it would be horrific when all these screaming insects die horribly in the small of these animals <laughs> And one day I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> when bugs scream, it'll be called. <laughs> oh, my God. I, you've, you've sold my tickets. I'm there. Take my money. I want there's one other thing I want. Oh, wait, actually, really quick. So uh, yeah. this is something that I – and I feel like I've – I've been fascinated by this for a long while, and I only know the title of this mysterious project I've heard of yours. But just based on the title, this is the best movie I've ever heard, Defective Detective. Um, is this something that you're – and I, I, I have no idea what the state of this is. just something that I know for years I've heard, oh, there's this Taylor Gilliam project, Defective Detective. Is that something that's that's – Bouncing around. Funny, 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 only because last night I was emailing Richard Lecavanese, who wrote it with me sure, yeah. after Fisher King, and I've got to come to New York uh, in a week and a bit uh, to promote Zero Zero, and we're getting together to see if in this new world of 60 by 9, we can mm -hmm. adapt the film into like an eight-part miniseries and get it made. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's Isn't exciting. it sad that you know? But that's now that I've you know, having watched Breaking Bad and binged my way through it. Yeah, I'm, I'm beginning to think you know, films. Oh God, the fact that cable is producing so much wonderful work. Um, yeah, yeah, and I and it reaches audiences and blah blah yeah. blah. I mean, you've made a wise choice with Star Wars because you'll have a, an audience <laughs> no matter what you do. <laughs> <laughs> No, you always get the you always get the audience that I don't know I I I I try to be really optimistic that even with the smallest you know you it's just a matter of the time frame over which it's discovered by the audience who's going to appreciate it is maybe expanded but I I I do I do think that you know um you know like the smaller films that we make find the people who need to see them one way or another i think um i don't know and and maybe no, I, it's i agree with you i'm just getting yeah. old and i'm less patient yeah. i'm going to die soon. <laughs> <laughs> well that's exciting but, and that and i don't know i i feel like um that that's i don't know that that's really exciting the notion of you working in that medium and also in that kind of longer serialized it all it always feels like your films are bursting at the edges with ideas, yeah. the notion that you would have whatever 10 hours of storytelling to actually, you but know, that's and, like but, but then that, 
I'm sure that'll be bursting at the edges then, right? It will feel like 20 Well, hours. we have to add a lot more than I thought, you know, because it was always a struggle to keep it in under two and a half hours, what we yeah, yeah, were yeah. doing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Again, it's, it, a lot depends on what the budgets are like, because it's uh, it's a lot. It's We've got to create a, fa a child's fantasy world okay. with a middle-aged uh, New York de uh, detective who's... Uh, just really lost it, basically. But the idea, you know, simple premise, i.e., kind of a burnt-out, hard-bitten, uh, yeah. cynical cop ends up in a child's fantasy world where the rules are children's rules. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's, it's, it's really nice. It's a good script. And we yeah. just, for a variety of reasons, it doesn't happen. I mean, yeah, you must have a few scripts sitting around that have never happened. Oh, I wish, man. I'm I'm such a slow writer. It's the <laughs> I'm so like, writing <laughs> is such a painful process for me. And I've I should yeah I don't know. I wish I had a couple in the in the drawer, but it's it's the opposite problem, I guess. Um, uh, are you going to do any more? I, I was really disappointed actually. I did a little. I was just poking around online before this interview, and I saw the opera that you just directed. Um, I was really disappointed that I didn't know about it, or I'd, I would have gone to see it. Actually, are you going? How was that experience? Are you going to do I that again? Or well, I've done two now, yeah. and they've both been successful, and they've both been painful. <laughs> and, how so? Like, what's that? I, I don't know because I. It's a completely different rhythm than film, because yeah. you know you rehearse for uh, a couple months, and and it's not until the opening night you know whether you've pulled it off. <laughs> Right. right. I mean, film, you know, we've got an editing room for six months. Right. It's, it, it's strangely enough, I don't get the same fulfillment out of it. Huh. Because all I know is, like, like the last one, uh, okay, it's 2,500 people a night, eight performances. That's not many people that yeah. get to see it. And there's a, I also feel that opera audiences are pushovers. <laughs> 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 They're much easier to, to fool than a, a cinema going on. <laughs> it's like right. They right, pay right. and they pay so much money for their seats. They're determined <laughs> to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm but, sure that uh, I'm also sure that a lot of I mean, you know, there's probably a lot of people who don't even usually go to the opera who who see your see that you directed it and and show up well, for that, it and probably are kind of you know. Um, an easy lay in the best way, though, where they're experiencing this for the first time and are actually yeah. just kind of awed by the form of it, probably. It was, it was funny. With Faust, 41% of the audience had never been to the opera before. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know. And that's what I really love. I mean, my daughter, who is like 30 years old, had never been to the opera. Wow. Um, because I don't go to the opera. I don't really like opera. I like listening to opera. I don't <laughs> often like watching it. because. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, well, it has something to do with the casting. Uh, you got okay. people with great voices, but the body and the face don't match the character they're playing. I guess, that, I guess that's <laughs> and true. And the age. <laughs> I guess that's so true. All of that, I, I, I can only suspend my disbelief so far. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, yeah. that's just a fat, ugly lady who's pretending to be a 16-year-old virgin. What are we talking about? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and, and so I'm happy to go to opera and keep my eyes closed. I really enjoy that. <laughs> but, but it's, uh, it's funny. But it's, it's uh, but so it's because I, I'm not a huge opera buff, and I, yeah. you know, it maybe that was what was interesting. I became this fresh way of looking at how you do the stuff because I've got no respect for the form because I right. don't know what the form is. 
Um, I wish I and, could have seen it. And my then. daughter was watching it, and she said, "It's like, oh, one time I thought I was like." It was. I was in a movie for a moment, and then suddenly they were there on the stage, and it was like, whoa! I was just doing some old nineteenth-century tricks, basically. Right, 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 right. And well, yeah, well, I think about the stagecraft, like in the Munchausen scene. You know, the, like, yeah. the it seems like it would be a natural, a natural the, fit. I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah but the, it's a different it, world. It's a different world because this stuff has been written. Say, in both like this, uh, on on Cellini. Um, yeah. Berlioz had three goes at it, and mm -hmm. he never he never pulled it off. It didn't work. So yeah. my attitude was going there. What he needed was a good editor. I understand the problem because he <laughs> and I share the same inability. Just keep it simple. Cut it before. Don't have five endings to it. Just tell the story straight. Right. So I just went in there with the, the axe and started to work through it. But then I have to confront the the, the, the musical side, the musos, as I call them. And it's like, sure. and, the, and the conductor, at one point in our discussions or arguments, and we were in rehearsal, he said, no, my job is to curate this piece. <laughs> I said, no, I'm trying to create something that will work. <laughs> People are going to pay money. <laughs> And I thought so, that's the problem is that, is there so many people within the business that are so, you know, uh, it's not even reverential. They they worship the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 you've got to bring it in, to me. My approach is both. You've got to bring it into the 21st century. I'm not, sure. and I have total respect for the work. That's the point. Sure, but, sure, sure. <laughs> come on, let's do something anyway. It, and, but I've done two, and I, I, I'm not jumping up and down to do another one at the moment. But mm -hmm. I know in my, as I enter the, what is it, the, the veil of despond, <laughs> there'll be the moment when I weaken. <laughs> I look forward to your weakness. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing what a madman with an axe and a healthy lack of respect can accomplish. So, uh, Tara, I don't want to keep you late. I feel like we've uh, we've we've had our time together. It's I think been we so, have. It's been good it's talking been, to you. It's, <laughs> it's been so lovely again to talk to you, man. Thank you so much for doing this. And yeah. uh, good luck with the movie. I really, I really love the Zero Theorem, and I'm so it's happy. Like you. I'm so yeah, happy it's, it's, it's nice to actually talk to somebody who does, because there's somebody who just hate it. <laughs> oh, they're they're not here. It's for us. <laughs> Great. All right. Thanks, All Terry. Right. Take care, and man. Good luck with with uh, Star Wars. Say yeah, hello thanks. to Kathy if ever you bump into her, because I love her. She's great. No, I absolutely will. I'll pass that on. All right. Thanks, All Terry. Right. All right. Take care. This is Nick Dawson from Talk House Film, and you've been listening to the concluding part of Ryan Johnson's conversation with Terry Gilliam for the Talk House Film podcast. For more filmmakers talking film, including the first part of this podcast, visit thetalkhouse.com slash film. Subscribe to TalkHouse Film and TalkHouse Music Podcasts on iTunes, where you can find all our previous episodes. And while you're there, please rate and review if you can.